0: morning, everybody. Welcome to Encuentro. Today is Monday, the Solemnity of All Saints. We begin our day, as we always do, with the prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven, and it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. We celebrate today the Solemnity of All Saints. Our Gospel reading is taken from St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. I once had a very interesting question asked of me by one very perplexed, perplexed student in, in one of my theology classes in Rhode Island years ago. We were analyzing the Beatitudes, and where Jesus pronounced those who are poor, or meek, humble, and persecuted to be blessed, and proclaimed woe on the proud, the vain, the arrogant, and the mighty. So one of my students raised his hands and, and said, Father, do you think anyone who takes G's advice seriously can survive in the world? I asked him what he meant and he said, well, when you read the Beatitudes, they sound like someone who's had a very bad experience just trying to console himself. He wasn't asking a trick question or was simply trying to be argumentative. No, it was a serious question. Could anyone seriously follow the prescriptions of the Beatitudes, which we just read, and survive this life if he did? Before I managed to reply to my student's question, he followed up with a statement, good guys finish last, Father. Good guys finish last. The bad boy always gets the girl. Everyone just laughed. Do we think that's true? Do good guys really finish last? Before we answer the question though, perhaps you need to consider that in society, most often than not, those who are cunning, devious, clever are in fact the ones who do seem to succeed. Even the Psalms written thousands of years ago seem to make that observation. Why, O oh Lord? Do evil people prosper, the psalmist asks. So, does the bad guy really win? That would make good guys losers, wouldn't it? People like Socrates, unjustly condemned to drink poison, or Sir Thomas More, beheaded for standing firm in his faith and his principles. Gandhi, assassinated for his unyielding stand for peace. Sister Dorothy Stang, the 73-year-old American nun from Ohio, was shot in the face in Peru because of her defense of poor farmers. Or Archbishop Oscar Romero from El Salvador, who defended the rights of the poor and was killed while celebrating Mass. We have them in the Bible. John the Baptist. Jesus. All good guys. And the list goes on and on. And it would certainly include the men and women we commemorate today on the Solemnity of All Saints. The philosopher Thomas Hobbes, who had a rather dark and negative view of human nature, once said, this was his famous line, Homo homini lupus, man, he said, is a wolf to his fellow men. And so we either aggressively assert ourselves and grab what we want before others beat us to it, or we just sit in the wayside and watch as everybody passes us by. In a dog-eat-dog world, where the rule is survival of the fittest, big fish eat little fish, and where the basic law of evolution is natural selection, in which the strong survive and the weak die, it would seem that the good guy does finish last. But is there any other way? Nature does not care for the individual. One of my philosophy professors in Belgium used to always say, Nature only cares for the species, for its survival. And it does this by favoring the strong. The philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche would agree. This is part of the reason why he called Christianity, with its commandment to love and care for the poor, a disease. He said that if we were all to obey the commandments of Jesus, humanity would eventually be wiped out. Nature demands the survival of the fittest. Natural selection dictates that the strong must overcome the weak, and the weak must be weeded out so that the strong may increase in number. If you have any doubts about this, just observe a litter a litter of cute puppies or kittens and notice how the runt fares, the smallest one. Already the smallest and the weakest and therefore the one needing nourishment the most, it's very smallness and weakness almost guarantees that it won't get what it needs unless someone intervenes. But why protect the runt when by doing so, One only guarantees that the undesirable genes will be passed on to the next generation. Nature, left on its own, will see to it that the weak are not allowed to go on. It is, in fact, our humanity, our compassion, that somehow thwarts nature by helping the runt in a litter. So... Do good guys really finish last? Are they really losers? In the gospel account of Jesus and transfiguration, Jesus is shown in his glory together with Moses, who symbolizes the fulfillment of the law, and Elijah, who symbolized the fulfillment of the prophets. His clothes become dazzlingly white, and the voice of God the Father is heard saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him the apostles of course are dazzled and amazed but before that particular passage comes Jesus words to the disciples telling them of the cost of following him if anyone wishes to be my follower he says to them he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me there were very hard they were very hard and difficult words for the disciples to to hear and to accept They all wanted a powerful Savior and Messiah, not a suffering one who would be killed. They wanted glory and power. So even for the disciples, it was hard to understand and accept the way of Jesus. The way of the world, the way of power, of wealth, celebrity, and glory was more attractive. Why suffer when you can be powerful and strong? Why do it the hard way when there's an easier way, a shortcut? Why be the humble guy when you can be the celebrity? Why be the good guy who loses? Why can't we be the bad guy who wins? In this view, Jesus would be the world's greatest loser but so the countless men and women whose solemnity, whose feast we celebrate today. That band of amazing persons who sought with all their might and against the world's judgment to live lives that are rooted directly in Christ. In this view, the saints would be considered some of the greatest losers in life. And who would be the winners? Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, Pol Pot of Cambodia, the Duvaliers of Haiti, Marcos who plundered the nation, the big shots at Enron who robbed people of their hard-earned money, Bernard Madoff who stole from thousands in the largest pyramid scam in history, the greedy people at the big banks at wall street these would be the winners if these are the kinds of people the world judges to be winners then i'd rather be counted among the losers of this world i'd rather cast my lot with those that the world judges its losers and its failures heaven has a name for them they're called saints Not only because as the Beatitudes in the Gospel today tell us that a great reversal is coming in which those who are judged successful in this world are to be the failures in the world to come, but because these men and women stood for something that lasts. These saints stood for something that transcends the fleeting character of the pleasant things of this world. Something that rust cannot corrode, moths cannot eat, and thieves cannot steal. Something that lasts till eternity. Now that is real wealth. That is true success. That is genuine treasure. In the Gospels, the Father confirms Jesus in his mission, one that in the eyes of the world will be judged a failure. You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. But it wasn't only a confirmation of Jesus' task, it was also an affirmation, a way of strengthening his son to the difficult task that lay ahead. It was the father's way of telling Jesus and all those who seek to follow him, be strong. You have chosen to follow my way and not the way of the world, and because of that, I will remain with you forever. We can choose the way of the world, of course. Many have. But it does have its serious consequences, chief of which is the loss of our soul. If we choose the way of Jesus, the world will probably judge us losers, just as it has most likely judged the band of holy men and women whose feast we celebrate today. And that can be very hard. If we choose the way of Jesus, our only reward will be this. When we finally come face to face with God, who shall judge us, we shall hear him speak To us, in words, he spoke to Jesus, his son. You are my beloved child. You are my chosen one. In you, I am well pleased.